know, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Just one verse. This will be one of those text messages or textual sermons. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This happened to be one of topics in our camp, which uh, really hit home to my heart, and I know to many others that were at the camp. So hear God's word. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, shall we pray. O Father, help us that we might fulfill this injunction, this exhortation to be imitators of Jesus Christ because that is what we are called to not to be saved by imitating Christ but as those who have already been saved by the blood of Christ by the blood of the Lamb those who are zealous unto good works even the service of the Father whose meat and drink would be to do the will of the Father and to finish our work, even as he, our Lord Jesus, completed his. In Christ's name, amen. <coughs> like Father, Like Son is the title of this message, in light of, as you are all aware of, Father's Day. Now, the word for follow or followers is a word that is uh, can be it's mem- mimetai, which is uh, where we might get the word mimic or imitate. So, imitate Christ. Follow Christ by imitating Christ. Not simply just following behind him, going to church, uh, having family Bible study, prayer uh, as an end in itself, but for the purpose of becoming more like our Lord. We want others to follow Jesus, especially our nearest and dearest. That's where it begins, of course, in our Jerusalem. In 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25, we have an example of this. If you turn to it, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So here we have instruction explaining how our Lord Jesus left us an example, that we would walk in his steps. Now, this is in light of his Humanity, his uh, walking on this earth 
as a human being and how he was without sin. He was impeccable. And he walked according to the will of the Father. And he was not uh, reactionary to his enemies when they would attack him, uh, when they would persecute him. He didn't uh, fight back. And that was because of his mission. That was because he was the Son of God. And this was not the way of holiness. And thus, as our holy, sinless Savior would, by his life and then by his death, lay down his life as an atonement for our sins, that he might recover us who are sheep that had gone astray, but are now back in the fold of the Lord through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible also provides us with less than perfect examples. God knows we need inspiration from other, others, other sinners who have been redeemed from the pit of destruction. Such as, for example, in James 5, the ways before this, James chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11. James 5, 10 and 11. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So here is a good example that we can draw from even the prophets who suffered persecution and who endured it joyfully. But we also have bad examples, too. I, we have to note them as well. And in our original passage, the context, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 5 and 6, 1 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, we see some negative examples that we are not to follow. And these are the, of the professed church, the covenant community of Israel, verse 10 and verse 5. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That means they were destroyed. Why was that? Well, because of the falling. Now these things were our examples. There it is again. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That's our natural tendency is to lust. But it never pays. And especially when you know the Lord and when you know better because you know his word. It's important uh, that we not be like them. It says many of them, with many of them, God was not well pleased. Remember the good and don't forget the bad. Yet I show you a more excellent way. Now actually the prophets before such as Elijah and Elisha and Moses and others were an excellent example. I'm not saying that, that this one is better than them, but it's closer to home. It's closer to home, home his, his, historically in terms of time being after the cross, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Christ. And so it has that to uh, fall back on. And it encompasses all of the above both of the Old Testament and the New. 
And so the uh, more excellent example would be the Apostle Paul himself. What does he say in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1? Further down, be ye followers of me. Wow, he's bold. <laughs> you think, how can any sinner talk like that? Well, he can. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Look, for example, at 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11, where he gives his testimony of himself. 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians, sorry, did I say Corinthians? Delete, <laughs> default. 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11. 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. That's my teaching. That's why he is sent, is to give this message, give this gospel, this good news. Manner of life. That's the way he lived, his lifestyle. Purpose. Why he is who he is. He is a child of God. He is a servant of the Lord. Faith, his faith in the Lord, his total reliance on faith, walking by faith and not by sight, as he himself so aptly taught. Long-suffering, talk about long-suffering, suffering long, that's what long-suffering means. It means even though all these things get thrown at you, hurled at you, you don't stop serving Christ. You don't throw in the towel. You don't say, forget it, enough of this. I'll have no more of this for me, and if you have a family... I'm going to have a nice, easy life. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. No, he didn't do that. And that because of the following, his love. His love for the Lord. The love of the Lord for him. We love him because he first loved us. Patience. It takes a lot of patience to be in the ministry. Um, tell me about it. <laughs> and, and I'm thankful I have a wife who is patient more than me. Because I tell you, that puts the brakes on when I'm... You know, going down the hill like we were going down the, the hill from uh, Greenhorn Mountain, you know, from camp. So it, it was a nice leisurely drive, but, uh, you know, how that can be sometimes, especially if you're going too fast. So uh, thank God for that. And what else? Persecutions. Ooh, wow. That's something that uh, comes. Afflictions. That's an, one of those inevitables of life which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. These were special times or special locations when he was hit the hardest probably of, of, of them all. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Isn't that wonderful? And he promises that he will deliver all of God's people who will suffer for his name's sake. The next verse. But again, let's give credit where credit is due. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. We must never forget that. We must never forget that we are those who dug, were dug out of the pit. We were those that were carved out, carved out of the rock. The same rock that Abraham and Sarah came from, according to Isaiah. In other words, we are nothings, we're nobodies in ourselves. Our true identity and meaning and purpose comes in our being in Christ. 
In the case of the Apostle Paul, it started long ago when God delivered Paul from his sins. In 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15, he gives an outstanding testimony of himself. And you think, wow, you know, he's going to probably have a lot of good things to say like he did earlier in in that previous one in 2 Timothy. But let's see what, in fact, he had to say. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. He hurt people in different ways with his words and with his actions. Uh, He was injurious people who are known for beating up on people. I know a couple of brothers who you could tell by their physique at age 70 that they did these things, but who grew up fighters and beating up people and were involved in all kinds of things that they're now marvelously delivered from. Well, this was like the Apostle, they were like the Apostle Paul. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant, which with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He takes on that um, title of the chief of sinners. And what that means is that he is an example of a sinner. He says, if you want to see an example of a sinner, yes, look at me, and you will see one. Now, this is the same Paul who tells the church, be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Paul had many follow him into the faith. In one case, the whole church, it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16. 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, that's like saying 10,000 people who ministered to you, 10,000 people who pastored or shepherded you, 10,000 people who uh, taught you Sunday school, 10,000 people who discipled you and who gave Bible studies in your neighborhood, in your home, 10,000 instructors. Yet not many fathers For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He is their only father of the faith. At least he claims. And we tend to believe it if it's in the Bible. Because it's true. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Wow. That's amazing. It truly is. Paul had many that followed him into the faith. But there's one in particular. Of all those who followed him into the faith that stood out, like I said of Paul, and that's his son Timotheus, or Timothy. Find in the next verse, verse 17. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, who is my beloved son also, and faithful in the Lord, 
like some of you or many of you are, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So I'm teaching you exactly what I'm teaching everywhere else. Nothing is different. And so he will come and he will follow me up and he will teach you those same things and perhaps be your pastor for a period of time until you're able to call the pastor because these were a number of churches in this one huge mega city like San Diego. And uh, so um, he was going to come and, and continue the work of a regional home missionary, as we, we would call that in, in one um, uh, Presbyterian parlance. And what a, what a role that is, what a task that is. I can only imagine what that's like because it's like being a missionary, but in your home, own country. And uh, though you're close to resources, yet that has to be a, a very challenging task, especially when it involves people who have been in other churches that, that come into your church. You know, like in the foreign fields, a lot of them don't even come from any church background, or they come from a church background that's uh, really false, so false that when you hear the real McCoy, the truth, it's like black and white. But it's really challenging to be a home missionary, I, I think. I really do believe. Anyway, uh, that's where Paul was, and that's where Timothy was going to be. Now, this beloved son in the faith, uh, the name Timothy means dear to God. And of course he was. He lived up to his name. But not only that, Timothy was dear to Paul. On a personal level, uh, it says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 uh, through 5. I'm joking around, and I know you're getting a good exercise here in uh, finding scriptures, which I'm glad. It's not only preaching. In other words, it's also teaching. So in first, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, Double check that, that it's not correct. <laughs> First Timothy 4. Um, I think that's Thessalonians. I made an error here. Bear with me a moment. I believe that's correct. Second Timothy. what I have and I'm going to give you a homework assignment. <laughs> Find the reference. <laughs> okay, what I have is, and this is verse 3 of whatever book it's from, okay? This is the first. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. It's coming back to me. It's 2 Timothy. Chapter 1. There you go. Thank you. See? If we work together as a team, we'll be okay, especially when we're in prison. And we, we don't have all the scriptures and we need to rely on each other for our memory verses, especially upon a couple here that uh, really know their verses. Uh, so 2 Timothy chapter 1, 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve 
from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desire to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, unpretended faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And he talks also about how he was personally the one who helped to ordain Timothy to the ministry by the laying on of his hands. Notice his love for Timothy, his incessant prayer for him day and night. Do you pray that way for your children? I know you do. At least I believe you try. Oh, I tell you, it's, it's really uh, an indication of, of, of the dearness and the nearness of those who God has entrusted to you. He says he is mindful of his tears because he knows Timothy is of this affectionate and very uh, soft and tender conscience um, that, that cries for his dad in the faith, especially when he hears of his trials and his persecutions along the way when, when uh, he is given uh, notice of that. And, and also the confidence that Paul had in Timothy how he saw Christ in him and how he was persuaded that this faith, this unfeigned faith that was in his grandmother and mother before him was in him also. You see the importance of your example. It's everything. And when there's not a good example, that also reflects why we need to really pray to God for grace to live godly in Christ Jesus. Timothy also was dear to Paul on a professional level, if I can put it that way, the ordained ministry, as I indicated before. If he's like any father, Paul's expectations of his son, Timothy, were as Paul's expectations of himself, of Paul. Very high. Sometimes we even set the bar higher because we want them to excel us. We want them to go beyond us. We want them to, to go to greater levels of service in the kingdom. Look up Philippians 2.22. Philippians 2.22. But you know the proof of him... That, as a son with the Father, he had served with me in the gospel. Wow. But Paul never had a wife and children of his own. Timothy would be the son he never had. And what a son he was. Timothy would serve with his apostle dad, in two of four major missionary journeys that encompass hundreds of miles in the known Mediterranean world, especially when he ventured into the unknown territory of Macedonia, also Greece and Asia. What more could a minister like Paul ask from the Lord? It's like in our RCUS denomination, 
C.W. Pollock went to be with the Lord a few years ago. His son Sam and Matt. Sam, I served with him at the camp. Wonderful, wonderful, excellent fellowship and superb teaching. And then Matt, I've been with him twice to the Philippines as a, a co-short-term missionary. And then Pastor Gene Sautel, who passed just a few months ago, uh, who was uh, in the church in Northern California, in Yuba City, had two sons, has two sons, Jim and John. Jim is in our denomination, and John is in another. And then Bob Grossman, who went on to eternity last year, leaves behind the legacy, his legacy, and his son, James, who continues on with missions in Africa, as well as his work in his church there in the Dakotas. So, praise God for these examples. Notice the encouragement of the Apostle Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth. In other words, just because you're young, don't let them despise your youth because of your authority, but moreover because your example but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation or lifestyle in charity in spirit in faith in purity notice purity is last we must be pure in doctrine but we must also be pure in life God is calling us to that as his people to be a separate people from the world Paul wants Timothy to be an example to all believers everywhere throughout the rest of time until the Lord returns. Can you imagine the tall order that Timothy was given by Paul through his letter to him? Such confidence that he had in the work of God in Timothy's life that he would make this bold statement in behalf of his son in the faith that he knew by the grace of God that his son Timothy would do far and above even himself. In a few short years, my son, I'll be gone. Here's the baton that I hand to you so that you may run the race that is set before you, looking unto your Lord and Savior. And when the time comes, make sure to hand that baton on to others. As he would say elsewhere, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's a task I'm giving to you. I'm confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, complete it, even in the day of Jesus Christ. God sets the bar high for those who would serve him. So we need to also set the bar high for ourselves, and we need to set the bar high for those would follow in our steps. True, true, as we have heard, as we have noted, we are sinful and unworthy of such a privilege. Truly, truly, truly are. But he is worthy who has called us to this high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He is worthy and he is of power. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have no strength in ourselves, but let us remember 
the words of Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, in closing. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. So easy to overlook this, especially in light of all these commands that we are given in this chapter prior to this one. But let me read 23 and 24 together. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, set you apart, holy, mind and soul and will. But I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He will give you the grace to do what he has called you to do. Trust in him. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this example of a father and his son. And the Apostle Paul and your servant, also a minister in his own right, and that is Pastor Timothy. We are thankful, O Lord, for what you have raised up in your church. We are thankful for those that have followed since, like some that I have mentioned in our own denomination. Pray that, Lord, you would carry that on through all of your congregations, including this small one, and that all glory and honor and praise would be unto you in the name of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Even Jesus Christ, 